Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. The weight, <clears throat> the weight of his, the weight and the glory of his persons here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. You know, you can't go to heaven in this body because it can't stand it. <clears throat> and whatever I sense this morning, to this degree, in this body. Well, thank God we get a new one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. I want to read a basically a chapter that I'm going to ask Zachary will he come up. Is he in the building with us? There he is. I'm gonna, I want to read something, and uh, I'm going to ask him to come up, and we want to recognize him this morning for his accomplishments. We had the party Friday night, but... Uh, I wanted to wait until Sunday morning. We got a gift we want to give him. And I believe God's got some things he wants to speak into his life. Amen. Amen. Psalms 139, I'll wait for you to have time to get there. I'm going to read from the, uh, the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. I believe it'll speak into his life and as part of our lesson this morning. <clears throat> Page uh, 973, I'm sorry. If you have a Bible just like this one. Hallelujah. Psalms 139, verse 1. It says, O oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. I said a lot. <laughs> that concludes our service for today. <laughs> and you're still alive. <laughs> you know when I sit down, you know when I stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel <clears throat> and when I... I, I don't know what's happening, but something's happening. I don't know what the order of this is, but... Uh, Zach, you're going to bring... 
a lot of pleasure to the Lord. Lots of pleasure. And since he already knows everything, he's already happy about it today because he knows what will be <clears throat> for he's already determined it. And he's already happy about what <laughs> you're just going to bring him a lot of pleasure. He wants you to know a lot of what he'll do is because of choices that you've made. But it began because of your parents' decision, he said, to honor me. From that you were chosen. I'm sorry. You see me when I travel. <clears throat> you see me when I rest at home. <clears throat> you know everything I do. You could add, you know everything I've done. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. <clears throat> too great for me to, to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans. Even there, your hand will guide me, your strength and support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to come to become night, but even in darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Your workmanship is, he says, marvelous. Marvelous. 15, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me when I was born. Every day of my life is recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and I wake up and you're still with me. O oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. And now he gets into his soul. It's, it's wonderful how one moment we're in the spirit and one moment we're back in the soul. If only you would destroy the wicked and get out of my life, you murderers. So he goes on to say some things that of troubles he's having. David didn't live in the, in the covenant that you and I live in. Huh? He saw some things that would be from his day that, and he actually was one of the very few who got to walk in some of the new covenant while it was not new covenant. So I how you know that? Because he lived. He proclaimed his own death. He gave a word that the prophet of God spoke. It was concerning him. He didn't know it at the beginning. Concerning Bathsheba and the child and, and uh, a man who has much flock and he went and took the one man's, 
They only had one, and he says, that man, this day, he dies, and <clears throat> the prophet says, you're, you're the man. David come in and asked God for mercy and came into the new covenant. And God gave you mercy and you lived. Oh, Zach, if you'll come, I want to... <clears throat> we got a, a simple gift we want to give you. Uh, he's done much to... A, come on up, Monsieur. Uh, he's worked hard. Um, he's not a sloucher. He has big ideas. He has big goals. He kind of probably has someone to push him along the way. Their initials are. No, it's good. <laughs> but it's not necessarily the, uh, the SAT scores. It's not necessarily the whatever the IQ is. Uh, all that can be admired and appreciated. What it is is what God sees in his heart. And, uh, but we want to recognize you this morning for your, for your many accomplishments. And, of course, you've been here since birth, so you're, you're one of ours. And so, uh, uh, but uh, he's been a, a fine young man all of his life, all of his life. And we're all proud of you, and as I know your church family is, and, of course, your, your family is. And uh, we're going to... As a church family, we are instructed to pray one for another. So it becomes our responsibility, <clears throat> along with your parents' responsibility, to make sure that we are lifting you up before God in, the, in your days ahead. And so we want to, uh, and uh, uh, thanks, Scott. Uh, I think uh, y'all said he's going to, he's got a full scholarship, right? Yes, sir. And uh, you know what that means? I mean, just pay for <laughs> Because he kept a high D average. No. <laughs> Which means that I tell my parents, I meant delightful, and they, didn't, they, they never went for it and told me it was awful. But uh, here's a little gift you'll know what to do with. It's just money. And, uh, but we want you to know that we love you. I want to, because um, God's doing something this morning, and you're, it's a, a lot about you, so if I can, I want to lay hands on you. Um, and... Uh, I just I just saw during the service that uh, there's just so much that will happen in your life in the next uh, 12 to 14 years. 12 to 14 years. And God's going to put a lot in. He's going to deposit a lot in. A lot of it's going to be more schooling. And um, you're going to learn some things and you're going to get some degrees and God's going to set you somewhere. He's going to put you in the workforce. And then uh, <clears throat> he's going to let that go for a season. And as that goes, there'll be a day that'll come that things will begin to change. And they'll come into your heart and you'll know what they are. And he'll call for what he's put in there. It's already in there. It's like a seed that's in there and it's growing. And it'll grow along every side that you're doing in the, in the, in the secular world. But there'll come a time <clears throat> where the seed of what he's doing supernaturally will rise up. And God will show you another way and a new way. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just bless Zach right now. Father, he is one like David in the sense of you said, this is a man who pleases me, who will do all of my will. The Spirit of God says, I have chosen you in this day through my hand. Speaking of me, Zach, God places his hand upon you. And you'll never be without him. You'll never walk without Him. You'll never know what it is to be without Him. 
and he will be with you in difficult times and hard times. And the Lord said, I have kept you to this present hour, and I have kept you from things and away from things that would harm and would take away, and I've given you a strong spirit. You had the ability, you could have said yes, but there was times that you said no, and you chose the hard thing when the easy thing was right there in front of you, and the others took the easy way. And the Lord said, because you have done this, because you've set your heart upon me, he said, my hand is upon you. And when you are in your later 20s, and when you enter into your early 30s, God will download, as it were, a creative idea that will affect your industry, will affect the very industry and will bring in a idea that will revolutionize that industry. This will bless the world. This will create massive wealth. And I will establish my covenant with you. And this wealth will be for covenant purposes. And Father, I just right now, I just thank you, Lord, that you protect him and you keep him from those who would try to bring him harm, those who would try to pull him away. And all the plans of the enemy, I say, shall be brought to naught in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, I just see a... <laughs> I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to say it. It's just that the Lord's heart is just jumping this morning. He is just, the, the Lord is giddy. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes grandparents look at kids and the small ones and they're just, that's why they say it gets to be a grandparent. <laughs> and you are one that just makes the Lord happy. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Father, let the weight of that and the spirit of your might be upon him all the days of his life. We bless him in your name and we declare what you have said will come to pass and it'll be at the right time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you, sir. <clears throat> mm. Well, praise God. <clears throat> we see there, reading these things, that uh, God has a plan. And He knows the plan. And He knows every day of our life. He said, I know every day of your life before you live the first one. He knows every little intricate detail of your life before you ever took your first breath. I've always loved this chapter. I always love studying things that have to do with the, the will of God and, and our destiny in life. It's always been a mystery to me. You know, it's the number one question they say across uh, the world, church world and, and non-church world, is people sometimes when they get a little older in life, whatever that age is, they, they come to the reason, maybe as they go through school and then they get a job and then they have a family and then, you know, uh, when you're 15, you knew by the time you was 18, you'd have the world tamed. <clears throat> then you realize at 19, you didn't. <laughs> huh? And then uh, you're kind of going through life and you, you start to ask the questions. I mean, what's this about? What am I here for? Anyone ever had that question? I mean, what's the, what's the big picture of this whole thing? Is it you're, you're thankful and you're for your, your, your upbringing perhaps and you know what, what God's done in your life and uh, what He's blessed you with and how He's blessed you? But what's, the, what's really the big picture of this? You know, is it, is it home to work and, and raising the family and, 
you know, going on vacation and cutting the grass and vacuum the floor. Is there all oh, that's part of life? But what's the big picture of life? When I come to the end of my days, will I have accomplished, will I have done what God set me here to do? When I look to him and I look in his eyes and he looks in mine and I answer the question to him, for we all shall give an answer for those things. That's what you'll answer to the Lord for. You know, for, for the believer, you're not answering for sin. Jesus took care of our sin. He's not coming back to judge you for that. He's going to talk to you about your life. He's going to talk to you why he put you here. He'll demand an answer of, why, of what you did with what he gave you to do. Amen. And it won't be in, in a group. I won't be going with you. You can't say, well, I'm with Grace Life Church. No, you'll be you and him, and, and he'll wait for answers. Amen. And so we all, I think all of us, it's important. I think all of us here, we, we want to, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, we want to live the life that, that he meant for us to live. Don't I do, don't you? Yeah. And we want to bring him glory. Yeah. And so uh, it's, we see here from this particular chapter that there's nothing that, that's hidden from God. He said, if I go to the high places, you're there. If I go to the low places, you're there. He said, the darkness is the same as the light to you. You know every one of my thoughts before I even had them. You knew every day of my life and what I would do before I was even born. And so God has the big picture in mind. Sometimes that's where we struggle is because we make decisions and choices and we make them out of limited information. We only have some revelation of today. But God has the entire picture of your life. So sometimes when he's leading you and directing you in certain ways, when it doesn't seem to make sense, why would I do that? Or why would I go here or come there or do this? It's because it belongs to a bigger picture. God has the big idea of your life. And so a lot of things, you know, whether we realize or not, you might realize it later on in life, a lot of the things that you did, the choices that you made, maybe some of the, the, uh, the, the, the jobs that you had. I know in ministry... When I look back at many of the uh, vocational jobs that I had, I can see how each one had a part or a portion to prepare me for ministry, some more than others. Uh, most of my life from, from 25 years and up was all in management of some type, of working with people and building something. I had no desire for ministry. I had desire to be a blessing to those in ministry. I was going to be a, a good check writer. But I was never going to do this. This never entered my mind one time, to do this. I had no desire to do this. I was going to be a businessman and write checks. I was talking with uh, uh, Evangelist C yesterday. They were getting ready to go out on their trip, on their mission trip. And um, he called yesterday morning, and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm on uh, Saturday. I'm kind of getting ready for t tomorrow. I said, what are you? I said, well, you're about ready to go, aren't you? And he says, yeah, I'm about ready to go. I said, so what are you doing today? He said, I'm almost at your house. And I said, well, okay. He said, I don't go to Peru without you praying for me. I said, okay. <laughs> Give me time to comb my hair. <laughs> and uh, so he got there, and <clears throat> our prayer, of course, always goes a little bit further than that. And so it was two hours, and we had this most glorious conversation, most wonderful conversation. And same things, I think he said them here before we them. He said, I just never knew I would do this. This never entered my mind. He said, I never knew I would like it. I had no, I had no idea that I would ever leave the United States to go on a mission field. And I never knew that I would love it so much.
I could never have saw that coming. Sometimes when we teach people about destiny, we say, well, what's the things that you really like to, like to do? What are the things that are really passionate? Well, those sometimes can be keys, but not necessarily so. I had no passion for this way back when. See what I'm saying? He had no passion for that. And so the Lord kind of did some things around and didn't tell us about it. Has the Lord ever did that with you? He just kind of took you here and told you there and didn't tell you everything? So, yeah, so Clary's Fluid says one of his names is Jehovah Trickster. <laughs> it's kind of, he tells you on a need to know basis. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, because too much information sometimes is just too much. And so he only tells you what you need to know when you need to know it. But he knows every detail. And Isaiah says God declares the very end of something uh, before the beginning. God determines what he's going to do in the earth at what time. Now, and I didn't think I would do this for him, but, but uh, I believe what will happen with that young man is when he's in his 30s, 28 to 32. In whatever field he's, he's in, God's going to download into his mind an idea. And that idea is going to be called what we call an invention. And that invention will rock the world that he's in. And it will cause massive, massive wealth. Now watch this. He's what, 17? So <clears throat> this, this product, whatever it is, this idea, the Lord chooses the time that it needs to come into the earth. The, the idea is not ready. If he had the idea, it might be to where it can't be implemented. But it seems like God knows the future. Seems like it, doesn't it? Y'all hear? It's, it's almost like he knows everything. And so he chooses a person for an idea, for a purpose, and gives that, and then he comes, he plugs it in where he wants to plug in. So the Lord knows what's going to happen 14 years from now, 12 years from now. And he's chosen someone to do it. So the scripture says that God declares the end from the very beginning. And he says, it's according to my purpose. And he said, my purpose will stand and no one will stand in front of me. Amen. Amen. You say, yeah, but my boss, no man will stand before you. Yeah, but she or he, no one will stand before God in front of God and change God's plan. His purpose will stand and he will do all the Bible says that he pleases. Amen. Amen. And so, um, uh, we, we, so we see here the, that every moment, it says every moment was laid out. Now, we talked this before and I'll just reiterate it a little bit. And it looks like we're going to go to almost jump subjects, but somehow the Holy Ghost has to bring it together because to me it makes no sense if we do this in just a few minutes. But I'll just follow God. In this chapter, it says, all the days of my life was written in your book. If you do a study in the Old Testament and you do a study in Isaiah and you do a study in Daniel and you do a study in Chronicles and you do a study in Psalms and several of the books that go into the New Testament, you'll see that in heaven there seems to be a, uh, a courtroom, as it were. And there's legalities to heaven. Now, I'm opening up something I'm not even going to begin to close this morning, and it's really not even my subject. But I'm, but I'm talking about it at this moment in the context of destiny. And we see in this passage, and there's many other passages, where there seems to be a book in heaven of each and every person on earth. In other words, there's a book of Bill, there's a book of Ralph, there's a book of Chad, and there's a book for 
every one of our names on it. In that book is your life. In that book is what God has chosen and decided about your life and why you're here. I don't know if that interests you. That, that, has, that, has, that greatly interests me. You know, because we're talking about someone, God, who knows everything. And, and uh, Ronald and I was talking about this yesterday. And, and I said, can you see, and I was talking about some of this yesterday. I said, can you, to him, I said, can you see why sometimes our prayers never get answered? I said, because sometimes I can see what you're doing and what you're doing looks fun or at least you're having more fun or it looks more exciting or it looks more glamorous. It looks like a more exciting life. So I try to get over and do you. But God has a unique plan for for me. But if I'm doing you and I'm praying for what you need to do you. See what I'm saying? Does, Does the Lord answer that prayer? Hmm? Yeah, but I'm a word person, so I'll take verses that says, uh, whatever you ask, you shall receive. But that would take it. That would be taking that out of context, wouldn't it? Right. If I'm doing you instead of doing me, what God has for me, then I'm asking for your resources for what you need to do. Is God, is God, does God have to honor that prayer? Not only does he not have to, he will not do it. So James says that you can pray and, you, and not receive because you ask, but you're ask amiss or you're, you're missing the whole thing. So it would do all of us a, a, a great service if we would find out the will of God for our particular life and what God has us to do. That's what brings him glory. Glory is when you are you and who he's made you to be because you're unique in him. You know, God likes a lot of variety. You believe that? You don't believe so. Look at the trees and the flowers. God likes the color purple. Why? He created it. But he likes a lot of colors. And he likes a lot of variety. Look at the animal world. It's just uh, everything. So God has a lot of things. So some people say, well, you know, you just don't need all them clothes you have. And, you know, when I walk in my wife's closet, her closet's different than mine. She, she accessorizes different than I do. I mean, you got to have this outfit's got to have... You know, this with it, it's got to have this purse, it's got to have these shoes, it's got to have this fingernail polish, and it's got to have all these accessories, and it's just to go with, with that one outfit. Me, I'm just looking for a shirt to put on. <laughs> that's maybe, if, it, and I'm, if not in a hurry, maybe that's not too wrinkled, or I can throw it in there and de-wrinkle it and, and head on out. That's just way too much thinking for me. But, I, you know, if the Lord wears shoes, I don't know if he does, he probably has lots of them. I bet he has dress shoes. I bet he has some, some casual get-along shoes. Don't you think so? Pastor Buzzy said, when we get to heaven, we're going to be dressed just like Jesus. We're going to have a robe with some Galatian gliders. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I started to ask. I thought, I'm not even going to ask what Galatian gliders are. I think I know what he's saying. <laughs> I was afraid to ask. So anyway, but God has so much variety. And uh, so it's not always, and, and, we're, and we're not always that, uh, and I, uh, we're, not, we're not the whole variety. We're one part of that. So I was telling him um, uh, yesterday when he came for prayer, and I said, I, said uh, I asked this in church a couple of weeks, nights ago, two or, three, or a few weeks ago, and I said, and actually, I said, your brother Bill was there, and I said, and I asked Bill, I said, what is the one thing in a car, a 4,000-pound car, that we can't see from the outside that would totally take that car and eliminate its use. 
I mean, it would no longer be mobile. And I, and I said, what is it, the battery? And, and, he, and he said, well, the battery would do it, but there's something that's you know, a lot smaller than that, a lot more insignificant than that. He says, I, in other words, Bill's told us that night, he says, I can stop you with a fuse. Now, <clears throat> can I ask you a question? And by show of hands, how many of y'all thought about fuses this week? <laughs> yeah, me neither, except for this illustration. But is that true? That you can pull a particular fuse out of any of our automobiles and it's going nowhere. But, it, but we have everything else. I mean, we have the powertrain. We got so much horsepower. We got all the torque. We got all, but he's going to go pull a fuse that is not visible that we don't see. And that, and that car will no longer function. It'll be, worth, it'll be worthless to us without that fuse. Some of us here might, may be called to be fuses. The world may never know who we are. We may not ever write books. We may not ever, you know, Hollywood may never know us. I think that's probably a good thing. We might not be politicians. That might be a great thing. But we need, we need politicians. Godly politicians. And so here, so here we are. We, we all have this part in life. And so God is working things into your life. And he's, and he's done it from day one. So you'll find out when you're older, you'll see how when this happened and when that happened and when I worked here and when I worked there and all these things, when you add them together, and then when, because your life is going to change. You, know, you may not always be doing what you're doing right now. Hmm? Right. I mean, my life changed. I was always in the business world. I was running companies and whatever. I mean, in the... 30 years of age, he just says, nah, we're not doing that no more. We're gonna go, we're gonna, you're, you're gonna be a minister. It's like, huh? Actually, he didn't tell me. See, I, I mean, he, he, even at Bible school, he didn't tell me. I was really confused why I was, went to Bible school. It was in my heart to go. I knew I was supposed to go. I thought, well, it'll just, I, I wanna be the guy that writes the check, and God wants me to probably help a little bit more than that, so I guess knowledge will help. So if that's what you want me to do, I'll go. And then I'll come back and be the business man, and I'll have more knowledge than I ever had. And once again, God will let you believe what you need to believe if it'll get you where he wants to get you to. So he just let me believe all that. So when I went on June the 20th, 1994, when I shook Brother Hagin's hand and got my diploma, walked off the stage, and my wife, she waddled across the stage because she was with her child. May 20th, she graduated. June 20th, we met Kristen. So she got her diploma, you know, she's like a penguin. <laughs> she was swolt. <laughs> and so he let us believe all that. Well, I came home. I took the carpet store back over. And, um, and within six or eight months, a desire began to grow in me. And I knew what it was, and it scared me, and I tried to suppress it. And I was, we were going to Burnham to church, and it'd come up and I'd suppress it. And I was like, uh, and it'd come up and I would suppress it. And so I was leaving church in Birmingham one time, and Pastor Webb got to me, and he said, come here. He said, when are you going to start the Bible study? I said, sir. He said, when are you going to start that Bible study? He said, you're, you're behind. 
Oh, Bible study behind, behind. I'm thinking, how about never? Huh? I'm in business. I'm writing checks. Right? I know some stuff. I've got some schooling. I'm helping people I meet. Let's leave it here. He said, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, Pastor Webb would be more directive than that. He says, well, don't come up here anymore on Sunday nights. That's what every pastor tells you to do, don't come to church. <laughs> that's, that's real normal. <laughs> he says, start a Bible study. I said, with who? He says, uh, your family. They come up here. So you and your family stay home and you start a Bible study. And they'll come up here anymore on Sunday nights. He says, then, he says and then uh, call me in a couple of weeks. Let me know how it's going. I'll be waiting on your call. That was a little bit of a stronger push. So he told me to do it and then told me in two weeks to call him and know how it was going. <laughs> What's he trying to tell me? Get with it, right? So uh, <clears throat> I reluctantly started it and I told my family, I said, look, I know y'all had a long week and we do, you know, we're going to drive all the way to Birmingham. And so, you know, you probably won't feel like it. Probably won't feel like coming, but I may be teaching a little something Sunday night and you know, if you want to come, but if you don't, if I was you, I know you had a long week. <laughs> so I, people ask me how you start a church, and I, I'm telling you, I don't know. I did everything not to start one. So I really don't know how you start one if you want to do it. I can tell you how to get one if you don't want one. <laughs> and so it started that way, and uh, we went on for six months. And then I, I think I said this last week, we were doing that for six months. And then out of my mouth, didn't even know I said it. I said, this time... Uh, I said, in, in uh, so, so many days, or what did I say? In two weeks, next week, whatever it was. I'm asking you. What did I say? Huh? What did you say? Yeah. Somehow, but I don't remember saying it. Uh, I, I said, we're, we're not a Bible study, we're a church. And next week will be our first service. And that was June the 6th, 1995. And then when they got home, they all want to know, don't you think we should have talked about that? I said, talk about what? Starting a church. I said, who's, who's starting a church? <laughs> <laughs> you said, we were. I said, I ain't saying nothing about starting a church. He said, hell yeah, you did. <laughs> it wasn't too gray either. It was just like, next week we'll be church. It won't be a Bible study. I said, I did not say that. Oh, yeah. So I called a few family members. They said, yeah, we were kind of surprised. Jehovah Trickster at work again. And then 23 years of your life go by. Amen. And uh, so here's, here's, here's the whole, you, you, you never get the whole picture on, on earth, but you, you get a better picture 10, 15, 20, 30 years later when you look back and you can see how God was orchestrating your life. Right. Even in the secular world, you think, well, you know, I want to go do this, but I'm, I'm here. He's still working his plan. He's still working his plan. He's you, you might just be in the phase of the plan that's not that exciting, but he's still working his plan. So you might think, no, no, the, the plan is I'm to be doing this. Well, this is part of that. The way you 
change the oil is you take the other oil out before you put the new oil in. You think, well, I don't want to do that. I just want new oil. Well, we got to get rid of the old. So God is taking some things out. He's draining you, as it were. He's moving the residue of the old you and your old life and the old world and everything that's broken down that cannot go into your future. Some things was for another time and for another season. Some relationships of people you had was for our yesterday, but they're not for tomorrow. Some things that were useful to you that God maybe put in your life was not to go for your future. They were for that season. And so we're trying to take them into a new day and they don't fit any longer. Are you with me? I mean, you can take the puzzle and get the scissors out and trim it and make it look like it worked, but it didn't mean that it worked that way. The problem is when you do that, then the next, the next piece won't fit because you have changed the structure of the piece because you were frustrated looking for it. So you put one in and said, I'll work on this and it will be the piece. We've all done that. That's, that's, how you, that, that's what a, a Hagar is to Abraham and Sarah. We're tired of waiting on this thing. We're tired of waiting on the promise. We're tired of waiting on the fulfillment. We want the baby. Had an idea. And that godly man said, Amen. <laughs> right? And the uh, father of your faith. You know, a hundred year old woman suggests that you take my 20 year old handmaid, you know, tonight and let's have a child. And he says, Oh, yeah, let's go. And that turned out to be a mess, an absolute mess. But God even blessed that child. Amen. So, isn't it good that God could even bless our messes? the best that it can. That's really a good teaching right there, that God even can bless your mess. Yeah. How do you know that? Well, Abraham again. I mean, he, he said, now leave your father's house and, and, and go to a place where I'll call you. You just go and I'll direct you. He said, don't think, don't do is don't go to Egypt. And that's the first thing he did is he went right straight to Egypt. This is the father of your faith. Didn't tell him where to go, but told him where not to go. First place he goes, where he told him not to go. Got him in trouble. God got him out of trouble. The Bible said when he left his father's house, he was already rich. But when he left the place that God told him not to go, he left extremely rich. Do a study. You'll see it. Why? Because just what Abraham thought about Sarah, he's going to want you to be part of his harem. He did. And so God told the king, he says, you touch her, you will die. And he, he became big sick immediately. And so to get him away from him, he said, send them out of here. Send them out of there quick. Give them silver. Give them gold. Give them service. Give them dog. Get everything. Just get them out of here. I'm dying. Okay? So he, he left extremely rich out of a, out of a mistake. Uh-huh. Amen. So God could even bless our oo's and our oo's and oh oh and oh my's. But it's better not to have those. So here we are. Now, Jesus is said, in, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 and 7. Jesus said this. He said, Father, I, you, you never wanted burnt sacrifices. It was never really your plan, your idea, that there would be forgiveness by sacrificial offerings of offering an animal. He says, so what you have provided for yourself is a body, and I'm the body. In other words, Jesus said, I will now be the sacrifice. It'll no longer be the calf or the goat or the lamb, whatever, but I'm going to be the sacrifice. It was never your plan to offer animals. That was a type and shadow until he, the perfect sacrifice, would come, right? Mm -hmm. Then he says this. 
He says, so I have come in the volume of the book to fulfill what's written of me. Psalms 139, we read it. All the days of my life is in your book. All the things written of me is in your book. I think it's real interesting that when you read, uh, uh, we won't turn there, but in Ephesians 2.10 it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we share that, that that we should walk in them. So you are his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus. You were created for the purpose of good works, which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship, if you look it up in the Greek, it is the word poem. You are God's poem. And here's what it says, if you're doing a Bible study on it, it says, you were written down in heaven, your life will carry a message. This poem, this message is creative and life-giving, so you enter the earth with poetic power. You are the poem of God. You are the workmanship of God. You enter, the, you enter here with voice and with power to do it. And so I had this uh, scripture yesterday that I gave uh, Ronald when he came. Um, I want you to see it. It goes right along with our teachings in uh, 2 Timothy. If you'll go there, chapter 1. Not too hard to find. It's right past 1 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter one. Before we get there, I'll give you some other verses. And, and there are several scriptures. Isaiah 50, verse 2 through 9. Um, it talks about Jesus before his purpose. Isaiah 54 through 7 talks about this. And then it talks about Jesus' life being mentioned many times. We know every prophet before Christ talked about a Messiah that would come and they prophesied of his life before he was ever born into the earth as a man. Isn't that true? And then uh, and we'll read 1 Timothy here in just a moment. But John 1.14 said, And the Word became flesh. Now who's the Word? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace and he's full of truth. So in other words, Jesus was the Word he was in heaven first as a word. There's a book of Jesus. Everything that comes out of heaven comes out of what's written in the book. Nothing, no one born into the earth comes until it comes out of the book. Hmm? The, the manuscript is written first. And then heaven sends out that manuscript in a word, in a poem. Are you with me? So, so the word became the word came out of heaven, and God put that word in a flesh body. His name's Jesus. That word 
that poetic poem came from heaven to earth, the Word, and God said, to, to be in earth, you'll have to have flesh. And it says that we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. So in other words, Jesus is the Word, was the Word, sent out of heaven to be born in the flesh in a physical body. Allowed what was written in the book of heaven, see, to be manifested in the flesh. Whatever's in the book written is now going to be manifested on the earth, but in the flesh tabernacle. And then he spent 33 years, Jesus did, fulfilling what was written of him in the volume of that book. Wonder what chapter you are in your book. Wonder what chapters are ahead of you. You see why we need to know the will of God for our life? Because if I'm trying to be you, or if I'm trying to be William Brandon, huh? I mean, could you see me trying to be a singer? No, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're honest, thank you. <laughs> right? I've said this here before, but I mean, I remember one time, I, I, of musical instruments, uh, I like a lot of them, but I really, I really love the acoustic guitar. We used to, as teenagers and young, we, we'd go camping a lot of times, and we had a guy that, that uh, <clears throat> he was my brother's friend. I always hung around a lot of my brother's friends, and it kind of got me in trouble sometimes, but anyway... Uh, his name was Jeff, and he, he played uh, the acoustic guitar, and we'd just go around the campfire, and he'd just sing, you know, songs, and, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just being out there with a starry night and all that and kind of stuff, and he was, you know, on his guitar, and he was a Christian, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And there's just a beauty to the, the acoustic guitar that can just take a day that's going like this and just bring it down and say, oh, it just slows life down sometimes, you know. And so um, I told the Lord one time, I said, uh, I'd give anything if I could play the acoustic guitar. I, I mean, I, was, I wasn't really talking. Lord, it's just, you know, I'm just, I'd give anything, Lord, if I could play it. He says, and he spoke to me just that quick. He says, he says that's not true. And I said, oh, excuse me. He says, he says, you've never given the price of a lesson. I said, well... Well, I like it then. He said, we'll go with that. Hmm? Because if, if I'd give anything, I'd be about doing it, right? So what I do is I, I still would like to, I guess. Maybe one day I will. I don't think so, but might. But I greatly appreciate it. I have appreciation for that. And so here he says that Jesus manifested for 33 years what was written of him in the book. Anything God ordains is first written in a book. Isaiah says, or Daniel, Daniel says in a scroll, a book or a scroll in heaven, and then it must be sent out in heaven, from heaven to the earth. What chapter are you in? You know, the Lord will also know the mistakes. Do you suppose the Lord knew the mistakes that factored into the time? Hmm? Do you suppose God knew that Abraham would go to Egypt? Hmm? He would know he told him not to go to Egypt? Did the Lord know that Hagar would get involved here, even though she wasn't to be? 
So the Lord takes every bit of this and we have choices to make. Now, I'm not saying, and you can't say, because the Lord ordained it, it's going to happen. That's sovereignty taken out of its rightful place. Because you have a free will. Brother Hagin was told by Jesus in a visitation, and I listened to that tape actually this week, old tape from 1998, and it says uh, cassette, if y'all know what that is. Almost dragging cassette now, like, but anyway, he says, Jesus told him, he says, and I won't put it in context, it doesn't matter uh, that part of the tape, but he says, Jesus told Brother Hagin, he says, he says, many people, and he says, many ministers live and die and never even enter into the first phase of why they're in life or, or of what I've given them. They come to the earth and live a natural life, and they're doing things that are good. In this, in, in this context, he's talking about ministers. They live and die and never even enter into the first phase of what I have for them. Could you imagine coming to earth and living 60, 70, 80, 90 years and never even get in and out of kindergarten? That's why there's too much disappointment. It'd be better if you needed to to spend a year or two to find out not what you can do, but what he has for you to do. Well, I, I could go do this. Ministers struggle with it all the time when they're looking to make some kind of change. Well, I could go on the road and preach. Or I could start a church. Well, just because you can preach doesn't mean you have a pastoral anointing. Huh? Trying to pastor a church without a pastoral anointing will, will, will make you want to take medicine. Because <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be no grace to do it. Right? Huh? And, and people are not always adults. So you expect children's church to act like children's church. You know why? They're children. But you're hoping adults will do, but there'll be some of an upgrade. But I've said this many times. There's no scripture in here that says my little adults. Hadn't found one yet. So without a gift and without anointing to pastor, you're, just, you're, you're, you're doing a Bible study, which is great. You don't want to get in an office you don't belong in. You don't want to tread those waters. It's not about whether you, you know, having a gift to minister or speak is not the pastoral anointing. Are you with me? Having the ability to put things together and to speak or to preach or be an orator is, is not the pastoral gift. Hmm? I would say most pastors, including me, and of course including me, are not great orators. When you go to Bible school, they're not making you an orator. You're learning the Word of God. And you'll take a class or two on communications and you know how to verbally try to keep a, people in and moving your hands. You need to walk this way a little bit and walk that way a little bit. And, and Brother Hagin said he never did for the first years of his life to got filled with the Holy Ghost. He said he was too embarrassed to even move. He was, he was, he said, matter of fact, he said, the first few years of my ministry, he said, I could have preached in a wash tub because he wasn't moving out anywhere. And he said the first time he did it, it was by the Holy Ghost and he didn't know it. And he said he was down there on the floor with the people. And when he realized where he was, he said he's so embarrassed, he ran back up and got in his wash tub in his mind. <laughs> well, so it's not, it's not having the, the natural ability to do it.
There's things God's calling you to do that in, in your future chapters that you have no clue that that's already in you. It's already seated in you. For some of you, there's books in you. Are you with me? For some of you, there's business in you. Hmm? Some of you have administrative skills that have not been put in, in place yet. And sometimes, you know, these skills and the, the development has, is, has come through this situation and that situation and this situation and that situation. And God may use it in another place. Cameron, just like you, uh, I mean, what do you know about working with people? A lot, don't you? Have you run businesses? Yes. You know how to make a deposit? Yes. You ever had disgruntled people come to your restaurant? Yes. Have you ever had goofy employees? Yes. <laughs> you ever want to pull your hair out? Yes. <laughs> but see, he wouldn't quit as easy as somebody who had no practical experience. So if God uses all that experience in another realm, then all he does is just change the subject matter. And he, and he, but he takes all that he deposited in you, and he will. And he will. And he will. And he will. And you'll see he will. For his glory. So not all preparation is Bible school. It's just school. Amen. So being a great orator and understanding the Greek and the Hebrew. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times I, just, I, I have cheat sheets. I get over here in the New Testament and I, or the Old Testament and I'm reading names like, man, if my mama named me that, I just slapped her. Have you ever tried to read some of these names in the Old Testament? Who would name her kid that? <coughs> and you're trying to pronounce it like, um... And then I thought, well, wait a minute, I got a, I got a Bible app. And I go to the Bible app and I go to that chapter. And some of, some of those translations, you know, you can listen to it audibly. You ever done that? And you just play it and then you do phonics and you write it down if you need to read it in a service. And the, here's what I found out. You read, you, you go to different translations in that same Bible app and you have different people reading it and they pronounced it five different ways. People say, what do you do then? I choose for myself. I might call them Scooter and their name be Skeeter. I don't know. But, it, <laughs> but if they're not here to tell us, I decide how their name's pronounced. So, you, it, so it's not about the, the natural ability, although God will use all of that. It's about the supernatural that he puts in you. So he's taking us all to a place, and you're that poem, and you're that workmanship. Now, 2 Corinthians, are you still there? Or 2 Timothy, are you still there? And we'll close here this morning. Praise the Lord. Y'all doing all right? Second Timothy chapter one and verse eight and nine. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Nor be his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. This is the scripture I gave Ronald yesterday. It says, um, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now, 
Uh, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. Now, I don't want you to think this, this is for ministers. This is for anybody. Whatever he's called you to do, it's holy. See, what I do and what you do is just different. Mine's not more important. Hmm? It's just my function's different. Pa pastor is not who I am. Pastor is my function. When I get to heaven, Jesus will not refer to me as pastor. That I'm pretty sure of. Don't know that, but I'm... I, I, you shouldn't bet on it, but I think I'm, I'd be safe. So pastor is my function. Can you see that? Yes. Now, it's, it's my beef, and there'll be always differences in this, and it almost has no point to it, so probably I shouldn't even say it, but sometimes I get a little bit, and it's just me, maybe it's just of always referring to people in offices they were in 30 years ago. But they're not in that office. We call past presidents, and they're being interviewed on TV, President so-and-so. It's certainly right to give respect and honor. But you wouldn't call me Prophet West, would you? Wednesday would be a good teaching if you'd heard that. I didn't believe I'd talk. Although I may walk in that office for a moment, I'm not called today to the prophet's office. So if I was in a room of ministers for some reason and someone said, hey, prophet, I wouldn't look up. You know why? Because I don't think you're talking to me. If I was in a room with 15, 20 people and someone said, hey, pastor, I, I, might, I might look, see what, who he's talking about, what pastor. Hmm. But that's my but that's my function. That's not who I am. See, that's not my identity. My identity is in Christ, not in what I do. I am who He made me in Christ. I don't relate to Christ in what I do. I relate to Christ in who I am in Him. And what I do comes out of that. Hmm. It's a really good teaching Wednesday, but and there's and there's two sides of it because there's some ministers that can't function unless you give them all their title. That's just that, but they just they just got some problems. They got some self-image problems. And we do need to have honor, but once again, if it requires, if if we require people to do all these things for us so we can go function, then maybe we're not called to that. In other words. It's, it's right to give and to, and to respect and to honor, but if it's going to take 40 people to meet me in the parking lot to get me in here, to get me up here, that's just a lot of work. Well, I can't function unless... Uh, I can't drink no cheap water like this. This is Nestle. That's the cheapest thing on the market. I got to have the, the $6 bottle of water. And... Uh, 
I don't know what y'all was thinking. I told my Bible here today by myself. Witt told me when he worked with Keith Moore Ministries, he said, I was confused. I said, about what? He said, a lot of things. He said, because he says, the Moors are from Mississippi and I'm Tennessee. He says, so there was one time, he said, they were, they were pulling up. I don't know why I tell this stuff. He said, they were pulling up to the church and there's just me there. And he said, I went to Miss Moore's door to open the door. Sounds right, don't it? And Miss Moore, she says, go open his door. <coughs> he, so she told him later on, she says, go, go to the higher anointing. Now everything in me, raised from the south, said, say what? <laughs> right? I'm not saying right or wrong. That's not, not even my point uh, of all that. I'm just saying it's right to give respect and to give honor to people, to one another. But if it requires you to have all this so that you can function in what you're called to function in, you're, 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 you're just too much trouble. I mean, I used to employ some really good carpet inst installers. Some were gifted. Some of them, I'd probably say, was called from birth to do it. But th the problem was that I couldn't keep them sober. And I could pay a guy $1,800 on Friday and on Monday, he's, Sunday afternoon, he could find me, he's wanting to borrow money. And I don't know how he could have so much expenses because he's living in the back of his van because he looks like it and smells like it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about back there, don't you? <laughs> huh? It, it, just, it just went with the trade. But him on Monday, I'd watch people watch him. We'd watch him as he would do his work in the room and lay out a room and put it all together. And he had speed and accuracy, and it was like a work of art. And I thought, I said, you're good at that. He says, I love doing this. He didn't have a tooth in his head. And he's only about 30. And the reason why he didn't have a tooth in his head, because on Friday when I gave him a check, him and his brother went and started drinking early. And his older brother and him got tied, tied in a fight at a traffic light because the older brother called the younger brother a boy. He said, don't you call me a boy, I'm a man. He said, boy. And he knocked everyone, his older brother knocked every tooth out of his head. <laughs> they both sitting in jail. I have no help on Monday. So I went and found someone who was less gifted, who was just loyal, and you could count on them, and they had teeth, and they had a van, and they didn't live, they didn't live in it, and, but they weren't quite as gifted. And, and, and I let the other guy go, and he says, man, why are you letting me go? I, I'm not the best that you ever had. I says, you are, but you're just not worth it. You're, you're just not worth all that we have to put into you. And he just stood there astounded. So let's make it easy for Jesus to use us. Now watch this, and we'll close right here. 2 Timothy 1, 9, Who saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to what? I need you to see this. According to His what? And what? Which was given us in Christ Jesus now, 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 what did he give us? Purpose? Have I lost you already? It's, not, it's 12 o'clock. 
He gave you two things. What did he give you? Purpose and grace. Because God works everything after his, after his purpose. Because he has a plan. It's written in a book. There's a book of you. That book is everything. Can you imagine God doing anything without purpose? Can you imagine humans doing things without purpose? Shazam. Yeah, they do all the time. Right? Why do I don't know. People just do things. But can you, what would happen to the universe if God just started doing stuff? Had no purpose to it. Just fly apart, wouldn't it? So your whole life is for a purpose. One of fellowship because he wanted you, a family. But you're here for a purpose, with a purpose, and you're here on purpose. So you were given purpose and grace. Grace is the unmerited favor, but it's much, it's much more than unmerited favor. Grace is the ability, the empowerment of God to do everything he called you to do. Purpose is, is the reason. Grace is the, is the power to do it. Hmm? See, I'm the guy who failed school on purpose because I, I couldn't talk to people. You failed me and put me in summer school because summer school you don't have to give an oil book report. So go ahead and fail me. I'll never do this. If a guy's willing to take an F and go to summer school, that's something he big time don't want to do. Right? Because I didn't like school. You think I like summer school? <laughs> but I saw it was the last of the two evils. So how can I do this? It was his, his choice, his decision, his purpose at his timing, and, and then his empowerment for me to be able to do it. When did he give it to me? Before there was an earth. Just like Zach, one day he's going to get a download in this year when the world needs this. When, God, when did God decide he's going to do it? Before the world began, he knew he was going to be a Zach. He knew he was going to be a mama to have a Zach and a dad to have a Zach and them have mine. And all, all these little intricate details had to come all together. Hallelujah. You were called, chosen by God, before the world began. Before the world began. So lest you think that in your situation, God's trying to work this thing out somehow. You go to God and tell him you got a problem. He says, oh, I didn't know. Oh, wow, wow, you got a problem? Well, what is it? <laughs> I'm glad you told us. We, we don't know things unless you tell us. Huh? And he said, well, let me work on it and I'll get back with you. That'd be a sad day in heaven if you ever get that. Hmm? What are you called to do? Are you doing what you're called to do? What chapter are you in? Are you doing someone else? So it's almost like it's a script. It's like a play. Uh, this, I'm going to close this and that'll give you all hope. And so... <laughs> I remember before I was in ministry, so... I, I have flashbacks like, oh God, please, someone's praying, I can feel it. So it's the, I forgot what I was going to say. No one's going to remind me, so you can't say it. Don't know. Huh? Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. So it's all going to come together. All things are working together.
for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose and His design for you. For you. Well, it, it seemed like it'd be more fruitful. No, I, I, I can show you scriptures that w w where the Lord's not blessing things on purpose. There's ministries He will not let them increase on purpose for a season until He's working in them. George Myers asked, Lord, why, why won't you bless my meet meeting? Or my meetings? He said, because I don't want to. She said, could you expand on that? He says, I really don't want to. <laughs> How'd you like to come out of prayer with that? She said, I was riding around the world in a station wagon. And she said, I used to have a few men. She said, when I started radio ministry, a few men would listen to me until they realized my voice was not a man. Although she could sound, you know, she's a little, kind of a deep voice, right? A little... And then she said, when the, when the men would realize I was a woman, they turned me off. But she said, I'd get a few minutes in before they realized I was a woman. And she said, when she was in the ministry, 16 and a half years, 16 and a half years riding around in a station wagon, she said, sometimes, sometimes I would have gust up to 100 people in my meeting. Sometimes. But it's usually 60 to 75. And she said, I traveled the world in a station wagon for 16 and a half years, usually looking at 70 people with gusts up to 100. In her 16th and a half year of ministry, the Lord told her it's now time to go national on TV. What? Why? How do you go from here to there? She told the Lord, she says, how do I go on TV when we can't even afford a TV in our house? How do I go on TV when we don't even have a TV? We, we don't even have a personal TV. He said, I have already provided all the equipment. He said, now you're ready for what I really called you to do. Well, what if he just blessed something that was preparation for her and what he not called her to do, and she got busy doing that and got sidetracked. Hmm? Why do they have, in military, why, why did he go six, eight, ten, twelve weeks? Right? What do you call it? Or whatever you call it. What's the training for? Prepare you. Right? Well, the enemy's not supposed to be there, are they? but it's preparing you for the enemy. You may think that your CO is the enemy, right? He may talk to you like he's the enemy. He may cuss you like he's the enemy, but he's there to prepare you for the enemy, right? So a lot of what you, all of us are in right now is something called school, right? For another day and for another time. I believe what a lot of it is is the poem is, 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 is ready to be expressed. Your poetic life is about to come out. In other words, everything that God created was created for glory. So when He created the bird because it can do this, and it can fly through the air, that's what brings God's glory. 
when the tulip and the rose and the petunia in the morning they all go like this one morning, you go to bed, it's like this. The next morning it's like this. They've opened up and they're showing God their magnificence. And God said, oh, that's why I created you. And, and, and you enjoy him, but he loves him because it was his idea. And when you take a fish, Bill, you ever seen the fish? You took him out and you put him on the bank. And before you put him in your cooler or whatever you put him, he was on there. What was he doing? He looks like a spastic idiot. Right? Because he can't function on the, on the bank. He said, but if you, you think I'm an idiot, put me in the water and, you, and you'll see my brilliance. So sometimes we're going like this. And we can't see how God would ever use you like that. But that's part of the training. Hallelujah. I hope you got something today. I believe God's spoken to our life. Hallelujah. God's raising people up. He's raising people up. If the world goes on 50 more years, he'll still be raising people up. And that's part of my, that's part of my, my assignment. So when I'm near my last breath, I'll still be trying to raise somebody up. <laughs> Tell them, you can do it. God's done this. Let's go with it. Hallelujah. Let's just thank you. Father, we just thank you. We bless you. We give glory unto you. Praise and honor unto you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of all honor and praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, amen. Well, we're going to what? Yes. Yeah, we're going to pray for the, for the team going to Peru. They're leaving in just a few hours. They're all together, and uh, so let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for this year's 2018 trip to Peru, to Mount Cusco. Yes. Father, we thank you, for Lord, for, uh, for, for, for Matt and for the whole team that's going with uh, Brother Ronald as they go, and they bring forth the gospel, the good news, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to that, to that nation. We thank you, Father God, as they're bringing uh, life-saving supplies to families. Father, we thank you, Lord, that lives will be saved. We just speak protection upon uh, each member uh, in their flight and in their travel and their going and their coming. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, that's your glory, the glory of God, the wonderful manifested glory of God. And Father, I just thank you right now that there will be super, supernatural occurrences. Things that I was that was spoken yesterday between Ronald and I. I thank you, Father God, that those things shall be revealed in the days to come when they're there, and they shall be seen and done. And you'll choose who will and what at what time. But Father, I thank you. That those things that were spoken yesterday will be manifested. 
and lives will be changed and lives will be transformed. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those who need to hear the gospel. They'll be positioned. They'll be at the right place at the right time. We pray, the Lord, that they'll have a receptive heart to receive the gospel and to receive Jesus as Lord. And we declare every day, every hour of this trip, blessed in their going and their comings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, part of that was, and I was telling him yesterday was, that's what the Holy Ghost said to me was that um, you're, you're, you're meeting a, a natural need. They're going to put shoes again on kids. They're going to a different part of the mountain. They've never gone to the same part of the mountain. Ronald told me, he said, if I lived another 40 years and could go, the mountain's so large, I would never get back to the same group of people ever again. So he said, yeah, it's just something when you tie shoes on a shoes on a 12-year-old girl and she's never wore a pair of shoes in her life and when she stands up for the first time and she sees what that feels like. That, he said, that just does something to you. And the Lord says, no, you're doing more than shoes. See, so you're handing out dreams. For some of those kids, it'll mark them for life because they didn't even know a shoe was possible. He said, we get this all the time. They said, where do you come from? He said, we come from America. And they'll say, what's that? Now, can you imagine not even knowing there's America? All you know is that mountain. So when you come and you bring a shoe to someone who's 13 years old and you mark a child and you change his life, for some of those children, that's going to initiate something. It's just like a seed planted that there's more and there's a good God and this shoe proves it and they'll strive for more and they'll go for more. It'll be more than, the, than you just met the need. Can you see that? I mean, so it's, uh, it's like you opened up a world to them that they didn't even knew, knew existed. He says some of them have some type of little sandals. He says most of them don't have anything. And so their feet are just like leather. You know, they walk mountains and rocks and what would cut us and we would need stitches. He said they're just, they're, it's just like tough leather. And when you put a soft shoe with cushion in it and you wrap it and tie it and they stand up, he said they're like... Well, oh my gosh, you know, like being on a mattress or marshmallows or something. It just, it just changes everything about them. And it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Amen. So they need stuff to go give, to help people. But it really shows the world that God is a good, good father and he cares about everyone their needs. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday. Have a blessed day.